Chapter Sixteen, Part Two of Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders by Baroness Orksey. Chapter Sixteen: The Right to Die the day drags on in the weary monotony of incessant firing incessant fighting constant attacks to be repulsed numbers of wounded to be added to those who already encumber the yard numbers of dead to be added to those who encumber the waters of the moat the finest general the victorious spanish armies have ever known is besieged in his stronghold by a few hundred undisciplined untaught unseasoned rebel troops what is happening beyond the wide tract of open ground which lies all round the castile the duke cannot get to know the orangest lines are all round him screened by the buildings which face the further bank of the scheldt and though his culverins have turned the magnificent vlieshaus into a smoking ruin those of the oranges have made serious havoc in the castle walls the last onslaught delivered a couple of hours after noonday resulted in the crumbling together of three of the widest breaches already existing making one huge yawning cavity which has to be strongly and persistently defended a defence which exacts an enormous toll of wounded and dead every time the orangist artillery and musketry return to the attack we cannot hold out till nightfall captain de avila cries despairingly we have lost two hundred men in less than two hundred minutes if we get no help we are undone help cries alva fiercely where are we to get help if those oafs at the city gates do not find us some on the northeast side of the castile lies the open way to dendermond where captain gonzalo de bracamont is quartered with a garrison of five thousand men and between that open way of salvation and those who hold the castile there lies a league of spongy morass the way through it is free from the orangest musketry nature alone bars it and does so effectually three times to-day has alva tried to send runners through that way stripped to the skin they are lowered by ropes from the parapet and at first find firm foothold at the base of the walls from up above alva and his captains watch the naked men who walk on boldly proud of their achievement their skins shine like metal beneath the grey autumnal sky on which the smouldering ruins of a devastated city have painted a crimson tint alva watches them until they appear as mere black dots upon the low horizon tiny black specks that move for a while slowly along with arms swinging as the mud gets deeper and walking heavier then suddenly the speck ceases to move the arms are thrown up with frantic wheelings and beatings of the air 
sometimes the speck will turn and move back slowly toward the castle but more often than not it grows shorter and shorter still till even the tall arms disappear engulfed in the morass three times have men been sent out on this errand of death three or four at a time twice has one man come back from those hideous yawning jaws of a loathsome death livid covered with green slime trembling in every limb as if stricken with ague after that men refuse to go alva commands and threatens another batch go off another spectre returns from the shores of another world then the men are obstinate to insist to command to threaten further would provoke mutiny and the stronghold once more lapses into utter isolation the din of musketry from end to end of the city drowns every other sound smoke from smouldering ruins obscures the view beyond the shelled what has happened in the centre of the city during all these hours whilst the high and mighty lieutenant-governor and captain-general of the force of occupation is a virtual prisoner in the hands of the rebels he himself cannot possibly tell the rebels have lost more heavily than we have says de avila while he snatches a brief rest during the afternoon and they must be getting short of powder so are we says alva grimly surely captain ladrono has come in touch with captain serbelloni by now it is inconceivable that the garrisons at the gatehouses can do nothing those netherlanders are fighting like devils says de vargas with his evil sneer they have nothing to lose they know that they are doomed every man woman and child of them ay if i had my way every man who speaks the flemish tongue ay retorts alva with a curse but in the meanwhile if serbelloni or ladrono have not sent a runner to dendermond those flemish louts will carry this castle by storm and when i am a prisoner in their hands they'll either slaughter us all or dictate their own terms ah says avila quietly they have not got the castile yet how long can we hold out queries de vargas who at alva's grimly prophetic words had become livid with fear unless those rebels have lost more heavily than we hope we cannot hold out more than another few hours we still have three thousand men and a goodly stock of powder the breach we can defend with stones of which there is a large store we killed or wounded over a hundred of those louts at their last assault we can go on like this until nightfall but if at dawn they attack us again in full force and we lose many more men to-day why hold thy tongue cried alva fiercely for at the senior captain's words many of the younger ones have exchanged quick significant glances shall i have to hang some of my captains so as to discourage the men from playing the coward too the evening angelus has just ceased to ring and a man is ushered into the presence of the captain-general he is naked 
and his body is covered with sticky mud and dripping with slime his face is hardly recognizable through the thick mask of sweat and grime i come from brayport magnificence he says in a low quaking voice for obviously he is all but exhausted i ran round the town and struck into the morass i am a man of ghent i know a track that's why captain serbelloni sent me with what news queries alva impatiently none too good magnificence replies the man the commandants at the gates are sorely pressed i hailed the guard at the bruge and walports as i passed they are isolated every one of them and each separately attacked by bands of rebels who fight desperately the brayport cannot hold out much longer captain serbelloni asks for help even before nightfall help vociferates alva savagely how can i send them help we are besieged in this accursed place we cannot fight our way through the rabble unless some of those oafs at the city gates come to our assistance help tis i want help here the gates are being bravely defended magnificence but the rebels still hold the centre of the city they have seized scravenstein two thousand walloons have surrendered to them two thousand exclaims alva with a fierce oath the miserable poltroons at least three thousand rebels threaten the castile i know that well enough retorts alva roughly they have made five breaches in our wall the bandits help tis i want help he reiterates with a loud curse captain serbelloni bade me tell your highness that he hath sent to dendermond for immediate reinforcements he hoped your highness would forgive him if he hath done wrong alva's eyes flash a look of satisfaction but he makes no immediate comment not even his colleagues not even de vargas his intimate should see how immense is his relief did he send a mounted man he asks after a while or two two would be better in case a man gets hurt on the way the captain sent three men magnificence but they had to go on foot we have no horses at the gates the insurgents rounded them all in long before nightfall but the men hoped to pick up one or more on their way alva as is his wont smothers a savage curse the small body of spanish cavalry which he had with him in the town had been the first to run helter-skelter over the cattle-bruge into the castile whilst a whole squadron perished in the shelled one of those horses down there in the yard would mean reinforcements within a few hours when did the messenger start for dendermond he asks again when the angelus began to ring at noon magnificence why not before the captain was undecided he thought that every moment would bring help or orders from your highness he also tried to send messengers to captain ladrono at the walport but the messengers must all have been intercepted and killed for no help came from anywhere dost know if the message which thy captain sent to dendermond was couched in urgent terms i believe so magnificence the signor captain was growing very anxious 
once more the duke is silent his brows contract in an anxious frown his active brain is busy in making a mental calculation as to how soon those reinforcements can arrive the men will have to walk to dendermond he muses and cannot get there before nightfall the commandant may start at night but he may tarry till the morrow it will be the end of the day before he and his men are here and in the meanwhile at the brayport he queries curtly how many of the guard have been killed we had a hundred and twenty killed when i left magnificence and over three hundred lay wounded on the bridge we have suffered heavily adds the man after a slight moment of hesitation the hesitation of the bearer of evil tidings who dreads his listener's wrath alva remains silent for a moment or two then he says abruptly dost know that i have half a mind to kill thee for all the evil news which thou hast brought then he laughs loudly and long because the man with a quick cry of terror has made a sudden dash for the open window and is brought back by the lance of the provost on guard upon the balcony the pleasure of striking terror into the hearts of people has not yet paled upon his magnificence if i had a whole mind to kill thee he continues thou wouldst have no chance of escape so cease thy trembling and ask the provost there to give thee water to cleanse thyself food to put inside thy belly and clothing wherewith to hide thy nakedness then come back before me i'll give thee a chance to save thy life by doing a service to thy king he makes a sign to one of the provosts who seizes the man roughly by the shoulders and incontinently bundles him out of the room in the council chamber no one dares to speak his highness has become moody and has sunk upon his high-backed chair where he remains inert and silent wrapped in gloomy meditations and when he is in one of those sullen moods no one dares to break in on his thoughts no one except signor de vargas and he too is as preoccupied as his chief de vargas says alva abruptly after a while dost mind that to-morrow is not only sunday but the feast of the blessed redeemer and a holy day of obligation ay monseigneur replied de vargas unctuously i am minded that if we do not go to mass to-morrow those of us who die unabsolved of the sin will go to hell the men are grumbling already breaks in breaks in don sancho de avila captain of the bodyguard they say they will not fight to-morrow if they cannot go to mass those walloons not only the walloons monseigneur rejoins de avila the spaniards are better catholics than all these netherlanders they fear to die with a mortal sin upon their soul nothing more is said just then the great day is already yielding to dusk the fire of artillery and musketry is less incessant the clash of pike and halberd can be heard more distinctly and also the cries of the women and the groans of the wounded and the dying 
a few moments later a tall lean man in the borrowed dress of a spanish halberdier is ushered into the presence of the council water food and clothes have effected a transformation which alva surveys critically and not without approval the man lean of visage and clean of limb looks intelligent and capable the duke orders him to advance tis good for thee he says dryly that thy death is more unprofitable to me than thy life i want a messenger art afraid to go to the miserable wretch who dares to lead a rebel horde against our sovereign king i am afraid of nothing magnificence replies the man quietly save your highness's wrath dost know where to find the rebel where musket-balls fly thickest your highness then tell him says alva curtly that as soon as the night has fallen and the fire of culverins and muskets has ceased i will have the drawbridge at the south-east of this castle lowered and i will come forward to meet him accompanied by my captains and the members of my council tell him to walk forward and meet me until we are within earshot of one another and to order his torch-bearers to throw the light of their torches upon his face then will i put forward a proposal which hath regard to the eternal salvation of every man woman and child inside this city tell him to guard his person as he thinks fit but tell him also that from the ramparts of this castile three hundred muskets will be aimed at his head and at the slightest suspicion of treachery the order will be given to fire dost understand every word your highness says the man simply then go in peace concludes alva and the man is dismissed an hour later the drawbridge at the southeast gate of the castile was lowered twilight had now faded into night the dull gray day had yielded to black impenetrable night here and there far away in the heart of the city lurid lights shot through the darkness and every now and then a column of vivid flame would strike up to the dense black sky and for a while illumine the ruined towers the shattered roofs and broken chimneys around ere it fell again sizzling in the damp atmosphere the duke of alva rode out in the gloom he was seated upon his black charger and was preceded by his torch-bearers and by his bodyguard of archers behind him walked his captains and the members of his council the procession slowly wended its way under the portal of the gatehouse and then over the bridge at the farthest end of the bridge the duke reined in his horse and his bodyguard his captains and the members of his council all stood behind him so that he immediately faced the tract of open ground beyond which were the orangest lines the flickering light of resin torches illumined the commanding figure of the duke 
dressed in sombre clothes and silk-lined mantle and wearing breast and back-plates of armour with huge tassets over his wide breeches and open steel morion on his head to right and left far away toward the open country the bivouac fires of the insurgents gleamed weirdly in the night all noise of fighting had ceased and a strange silence had fallen over the city a silence which hid many secrets of horror and of despair suddenly something began to move something that at first appeared darker than the darkness of the night a few moments later it appeared as a speck of ruddy light which moved quickly now toward the castle bridge anon it was distinguishable as a group of men a dozen or so with a couple of torch-bearers on in front the light from whose torches fell full upon a tall figure which stood out boldly amongst the others now the group came to a halt less than fifty paces away and those upon the bridge could see that tall figure quite clearly a man in ragged doublet and hose with grimy hands and face blackened with powder he held his head very erect and wore neither helmet nor armour at sight of him de vargas gave a cry of rage and surprise mark van Rijk, he exclaimed what hath he to do with it all thy daughter's husband said alva coolly now then we'll soon make her a widow but to the oranges he called peremptorily tis with the rebel whom ye call leatherface that i wish to speak i have been known as leatherface hitherto retorts mark van Rijk coolly speak without fear i listen vargas's cry of rage was echoed by more than one spanish captain present they remembered mark van Rijk, the ne'er-do-well with whom they had oft drunk and jested in the taverns of ghent and brussels ay and before whom they had oft talked openly of their plans spy as well as rebel they cried out to him wrathfully pity he cannot hang more than once added de vargas with bitter spite but to alva the personality of the rebel was of no consequence what cared he if the man was called van Rijk and was the husband of his friend's daughter there stood an abominable rebel who had gained by treachery and stealth a momentary advantage over the forces of his suzerain lord the king and who would presently suffer along with the whole of this insurgent city the utmost rigour of alva's laws in the meanwhile he deigned to parley with the lout for he was sore pressed inside the castile and the messengers who were speeding to dendermond for reinforcements could not possibly bring help for at least another four-and-twenty hours therefore now he the lieutenant-governor of the netherlands and captain-general of his majesty's forces demanded attention in the name of the king do ye come as traitors he asked in a loud voice or as loyal men if as traitors ye shall die ere ye advance another step but if ye are loyal men then listen for i will speak with you in amity and peace thou knowest best magnificence 
came mark's clear voice out of the group if we are loyal men or no thou didst send an emissary to us he goeth back to thee unhurt thou standest before our bowmen even now and not an arrow hath touched thine armour we are loyal men and are prepared to listen to what ye have to say listen then resumed the duke curtly but let no false hopes lure ye the while ye are rebels and are under the ban of the law nothing but unconditional surrender can win mercy for your city nothing but humility can save thee from the wrath of god retorted mark boldly we are unconquered magnificence and tis thou who askest to parley not we i do not ask retorted alva loudly i demand then since tis the vanquished who demand let us hear what they wish to say to-morrow is sunday rebel hadst forgotten that no tyrant i had not god hath forbidden us to work on that day but not to fight against oppression he hath also enjoined us to attend mass on his day are ye heretics that ye care not for that we care for the lord's day as much as spaniards do yet will ye prevent his people from praying in peace we'll pray for those whom thy tyranny keeps locked up within thy castle walls not so exclaims alva my men are free to go they will attend mass in the churches of this city will you butcher them whilst they are at prayer there was no immediate reply to this taunt but from the insurgents ranks there came a loud warning call do not heed him van Rijk. remember egmont and horn do not fall into the tyrant's trap there's treachery in every word he says alva waited in silence until the tumult had subsided he knew what he wanted and why he wanted it a few hours respite would mean salvation for him a few hours and the garrison of dendermond would be on its way to ghent he wanted to stay the hand of time for those few hours and had invented this treacherous means to gain that end tis no wonder he said quietly as soon as the clamour on the orangist side was stilled that ye who are traitors should seek treachery everywhere what i propose is loyal and just and in accordance with god's own decrees if ye refuse ye do so at the peril of thousands of immortal souls we know not yet what it is ye ask said van Rijk quietly we demand a truce until the evening angelus to-morrow the lord's day which is also the feast of the holy redeemer we demand the right to attend mass in peace and in exchange we'll agree not to molest you whilst ye pray and whilst ye bury your dead a truce until the evening angelus broke in mark hotly so that ye may send for reinforcements to the nearest garrison town we refuse you refuse retorted alva for two days and a night ye have raised your arms against your lawful king if you fight to-morrow you will add sacrilege to your other crimes and thou treachery to thine said van Rijk boldly whence this desire to keep holy 
the sabbath-day tyrant wouldst thou have ceased to destroy to pillage or to outrage this day if we had not raised our arms in our own defence well said van Rijk, cried the oranges the immortal souls which your obstinacy would send to hell said the duke of alva will return and haunt you till they drag you back with them can you not pray in your castile retorted mark we have no priest to say mass for us we will send you one we have no consecrated chapel the priest will say mass in your castle-yard beneath the consecrated dome of heaven the walloon prisoners whom we have taken are receiving the ministry of our priests in the guild-houses where they are held nay but such makeshift would not satisfy the children of spain who are also the chosen children of the church but continued alva with a sudden assumption of indifference i have made my proposal take it or not as ye list but remember this the dead who lie unburied in your streets will have their revenge pestilence and disease will sweep your city of your children as soon as we have vanquished your men treachery cried some of the oranges do not heed him van Rijk. but of a truth the cry was not repeated quite so insistently this time alva's last argument was an unanswerable one pestilence these days was a more formidable foe than the finest artillery wielded by a powerful enemy there were over two thousand dead lying unburied in the city at this hour as the tyrant said very truly these would take a terrible revenge and there was something too in the sanctity of the lord's day which touched the hearts of these men who were deeply religious and devout and had a profound respect for the dictates of the church most of them were catholics the importance of attending mass on the lord's day on pain of committing a deadly sin weighed hard upon their conscience alva was quick to note the advantage which he had already gained and when the first dissentient voice among the oranges was heard to say a truce can do no harm and twere sacrilege to fight on the lord's day he broke in quickly nay tis not fighting ye would do but murder ay murder on the day of the holy redeemer who died that ye should live my men are catholic to a man not one of them but would far rather let himself be butchered than commit a deadly sin rebels who have outraged your king to-morrow morning the church bells will be calling the faithful to the holy sacrifice the truce which you refuse to hold with us we will grant you of our own free will we will not fight you on the day of the feast of the holy redeemer but to-morrow every spaniard and every walloon in our armies will go unarmed and present himself at your church doors i even i with my captains and the members of the king's council will attend mass at the church of st baths 
and we will be unarmed for we shall have placed ourselves under the care of the holy redeemer himself and now tell thy soldiers rebel tell them that spaniards and walloons will be in the churches of ghent in their thousands and that they will be defenceless save for the armour of prayer which will encompass them as they kneel before the altar of god and in the meanwhile retorted van Rijk, ye will be sending to dendermond and alost and antwerpen and when after the evening angelus we take up arms once more against your tyranny there will be five thousand more spaniards at our gates by the holy redeemer whom i herewith invoke said alva solemnly and raised his hand above his head with a gesture of invocation i swear that no messenger of mine shall leave the city before ye once more take up arms against your king i swear that no messenger of mine hath left this city for the purpose of getting help from any garrison town and may my soul be eternally damned if i do not speak the truth those who were present at this memorable interview declare that when alva registered this false and blasphemous oath a curious crimson light suddenly appeared in the east so strong and lurid was it that the perjurer himself put up his hand for a second or two as if blinded by the light philip de lenoy signor de beauvoir assures us that the light was absolutely dazzling and of the colour of blood but that he took it as a warning from god against the sacrilege of fighting on this holy day and that it caused him to add the weight of his influence with mark van Rijk to grant the truce which the spaniards desired undoubtedly the solemn oath spoken by the tyrant who was such a devout and bigoted catholic greatly worked upon the feelings of the orangists never for a moment did the suspicion of the oath being a false one enter their loyal heads nor must they be blamed for their childish confidence in a man who had lied to them and deceived them so continuously for the past five years they were so loyal themselves such a trap as alva was setting for them now was so far from their ken that it was impossible for them to imagine such appalling treachery as for this sanctity of an oath they would as soon have thought of doubting the evidence of their own eyes mark van Rijk, it is true held out to the last he knew these spaniards better than those simple burghers did not in vain had he spent his best years in the uncongenial task of worming out their secret plans their treacherous devices over tankards of ale and games of hazard in flemish taverns he mistrusted them all he mistrusted alva above all he had no belief in that execrable monster's oath god is on our side he said quietly we'll bury our dead when we can and pray when god wills he'll forgive the breaking of his sabbath for the justice of our cause they are weary of the fight 
he added obstinately we are not but already every one of his friends was urging him to grant the truce for the sake of our women and children said van Danes, who voiced the majority let there be no fighting to-morrow the tyrant has pledged his immortal soul that he will not play us false no man would dare to do that unless he meant to be true rebel now shouted alva impatiently i await thine answer accept van Rijk, accept cried the oranges unanimously now it is god's will that we accept i await thine answer rebel reiterated alva what answer can i give retorted van Rijk. you say your men will go to our churches unarmed we are not butchers as ye would have been you will let them pray in peace as thou desirest you who were prepared to destroy our city and to murder our women and our children will have nothing to fear from us while ye are unarmed and at prayer until the evening angelus ceases to ring until then and until that hour we remain as we are our guard at the gates our prisoners in our hands and may god guard thee concluded alva unctuously may god have mercy on thy soul if thou hast lied to us said mark van Rijk quietly to this alva made no reply but his grim face looked in no way troubled special absolution even for speaking a false oath could easily be obtained alas these days by any duke of alva or other tyrant powerful enough to demand it and no doubt the lieutenant-governor sent to subdue the rebellious low countries was well provided with every kind of dispensation which embodied the principle that the end justifies the means he wheeled his horse round and wholly callous and unconcerned he rode back slowly over the bridge as soon as the last of the spaniards had filed under the gatehouse of the castile and the drawbridge was once more raised mark van Rijk turned with unwonted peremptoriness to his friends who were crowding round him eagerly approving of what he had done van Danes, he said curtly to-morrow at dawn see that your musketeers are massed inside the ruins of the tanners guild house and you lawrence place three hundred of your picked archers under the cover of the vishmart lenoy your pikemen beneath the arcades of the abbey opposite st baths and you grubendock yours in the doorways of the houses opposite st ferald and every one of you under arms let the spaniards pray in peace if they have not lied but at the first sign of treachery remember your wives and your daughters and do not spare the murderers of your children or the desecrators of your homes End of chapter sixteen part two